0: welding instructor alex Declare knows vr training platforms like forge fx help students master their skills there's a big learning curve with welding virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact airpods pro with adaptive audio automatically keeps out the sounds you don't want to hear so you can listen to your music and lowers your music to let in the sounds you do need to hear
1: hi there Hi, what can I get you? I'll have a strawberry mango coconut probiotic smoothie with wheatgrass. Anything else? Extra wheatgrass. Here you go.
0: AirPods Pro with adaptive audio. Available on AirPods Pro second generation when
1: enabled. The Volume. The 3 and Out Podcast with me, John Middlecoff, is presented by FanDuel Sportsbook. There's no better place to make every moment more than with FanDuel. America's number one sportsbook. Very easy to use, safe and secure. You get your winnings fast. I cannot recommend it enough. Love gambling with FanDuel. If you are new, just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app to get started now. Sign up with promo code Colin so they know we sent you. <laughs> What is going on, everybody? John Middlecop, Three and Out Podcast. How are we doing? A uh, not a beautiful night. I mean, it's freezing cold. And Kyler Torres ACL. It looks like the Patriots win a game. We will dive into Monday Night Football. Some thoughts on the Cowboys. Some thoughts on the Chiefs. Who, you know, I think some say squeaked by, but uh, a win's a win in the NFL in December. Uh, Something with the 2020 draft and Zach Wilson and and Trey Lance and now this Brock Purdy thing. Uh, Some thoughts on not forcing quarterbacks. and I I think too many teams often do it. And a couple years later, they immediately regret it. And uh, some thoughts on Mike Leach, who, as of recording this, it's about 10 o'clock at night on Monday. Uh, Doesn't look like he's doing well at all. And I watched his career closely at when he was at Washington State. And my last year doing the West Coast, he uh, he took over Washington State, and he's just one of my favorite characters. I mean, I think he's universally just one of the most unique characters we have in, in all of football. Authentically, uh, not many like him. there just they're just isn't, and obviously, an innovator in a game that you know is always seeking innovation. So he, he was definitely ahead of his time, and let's face it, it not only impacted the game, but I would say changed it and and influenced it uh, basically college and pro. His concepts are everywhere, so I'll give some thoughts there, as well as the Middlecoff mailbag at John Middlecoff is the Instagram, firing those DMs, at John Middlecoff, just my name, uh, on Instagram, firing those DMs. And if you listen on Colin's feed, make sure you subscribe to Three and Out Feed. Appreciate everyone that listens. Appreciate everyone that shares it with your friends. And uh, yeah, let's dive into some football. <laughs> okay, sometimes on these uh, Monday night games, you, you lose track of time, and you know you, you come in late. I'm not a big pregame show. Like I'm not looking to get RG3's takes on my Monday night. So I usually come in right around 6.20, but I'm never, I'm always confused is it 6.15 or 6.25 uh, Mountain Standard Time here in Scottsdale. And sometimes I'm too lazy to check my phone to see the exact kickoff time. So I realized, damn, look down, it was like 6.22. I'm like, turn on Monday Night Football. And the first thing that came on my television was a dude on a cart. I'm like, this game had to just kick off. And then I look, it was 13, whatever, 55. I'm like, is that... Oh my god. And it was pretty clear, <laughs> very fast that it was Kyler Murray. I immediately check on my phone and see the injury and obviously by the time I'm recording this all reports are that he tore his ACL, which is an absolute devastating injury for the team. Even for a guy having a rough season, they drafted this guy number 1 overall and they gave him, you know, a 200 plus million dollar contract and guaranteed him 160-170 million dollars. That's just that is a crippling injury to a franchise, and really tonight in this season, this this team is a disaster, and that feels like icing on the cake. Like, what are they doing? How does after tonight with him now? Who knows? I mean, this is the ACL injuries can take you know, nine to twelve months. He's a running quarterback. He's a guy like for him to come back. He has to be like a wide receiver or a DB. He's not, Sometimes quarterbacks can just live in that pocket. That's not how his game is predicated on excelling. So that injury, obviously, it's December 12th when he tears his ACL. Who I would say that for sure puts early next season in jeopardy, and who knows uh, what that has in store for next year for Kyler. This post-contract has not gone well. Obviously, tonight's out of his control, but what's going to happen with Cliff Kingsbury and Steve Kine? In my opinion, I would blow the thing up. I would completely start over. This feels like and felt like tonight watching and really a lot of this season, beside when Kyler would just make the miraculous play every once in a while, and this year he did it a lot less than previous years, like a rudderless ship. And I don't want to say this team quit because Hopkins was trying at the end and I think Colt McCoy is trying And Buda Baker, when he plays, tries. And J.J. Watt tries. They just feel like they have no direction. They just feel like all this talent feels like it's being wasted. You know, the Rams, over the last month, since Cooper Cup's been injured and Stafford's been out, and then Aaron Donald gets injured, and Jalen's kind of a shell of himself, they're playing with a practice squad-level roster. But a couple weeks ago against Seattle, and obviously the other night against the Raiders, it felt this team is throwing every single punch they have. And of course they do. They have Sean McVay coaching them. So even on a season from hell for the Rams, they don't have their first round pick, which is going to be a top five pick. Their team, their record sucks. I mean, they they might win five games at best. When you watch them, you respect them. When you watch the Cardinals it's hard to really respect what's going on. And Michael Bidwell, I, I have no clue why, extended Kingsbury and his general manager after last season. And I know Kingsbury was going into the last season of his contract. This isn't college. You're not worried about recruiting. Why didn't he coach it out? Because he made the playoffs? Who cares? You guys got boat race. You were curb stomped on Monday Night Football last year. And this year has bled right into that. The majority of the season, they've looked like that game on Monday night. And now Kyler's injured. Like, I I would completely start over. To me, it makes no sense to roll it back and keep doing whatever the hell they're doing. I would honestly, this offseason, think about selling some of these parts and just tearing this bad boy down to the studs and maybe doing a complete redo. It's like, you know, when super rich people, they buy a house, they're like, yeah, we just wanted a lot. We don't want any part of the house. We're going to bulldoze the whole fucking thing and build a new house. And hell, we might buy the lot next to it and do the same thing and build a mansion. That's what I would attempt to do because this Cardinal franchise, tonight felt kind of like the ending. It had been trending this way, but I don't know how you recover from the night. And on the flip side, I think people think that I'm like a Belichick homer, that I'm over the top and hyperbolic on how great he is. In his career, it's like, well, what do you do with without Brady? And I think this season, and honestly, even last, are a pretty good example. Mac Jones is pretty average. He'll never be any better, probably, than the 15th quarterback. And clearly, and, and you could win with the 15th quarterback. Kyle Shanahan's gone to the NFC Championship and a Super Bowl with Jimmy Garoppolo, who's right around there. But the difference is, Kyle Shanahan's had a loaded team, star players at different positions. I mean, an excellent defense with a ton of impact guys. And Belichick has a good defense, and really no impact guys on offense. Yet this year, and after tonight now, right, he's 7-6. and six. He's playing the Raiders, who I like the Patriots this week, playing the Raiders. And then he ends with the Bengals, the Dolphins, and the Bills. If he's able to get to 10-7 and seven this year and make the playoffs again in a conference with really good quarterbacks and teams with way more talented t- talent on his team than him, that is impressive. Now, can we be critical... Critical, he is the general manager. He's picking the team, obviously. And most people with a working brain and that watch football have been critical of the way Bill has built his teams. But you can also give him credit because the general manager, which is him, he's pretty average. And they're competing. And I don't know. I mean, if they win this week against the Raiders, they'll be 8-6. and six. And then they basically just have to find a way to win two of the last three. And who knows? Maybe that last week at Buffalo, Buffalo has the number one seed and they don't have anything to play for. So they just got to find a way to either the Bengals, who they'll be an underdog against, or the Dolphins, both games at home, to win one of them. I think we have to agree that if he goes back-to-back seasons with 10 wins, with Mac Jones as his quarterback, all these random guys playing wide receiver, and beside Judon, not that many impact players on defense. Some of these young cats he's drafted at DB look pretty good. But this is not the 07 Pats. This is not the 2015 Pats. This is a, I I would say, average at best NFL roster. And you could argue it's problem bottom 20. Also, again, he created this and he chose this guy to be his offensive coordinator. I don't think there's a head coach in the NFL who could make the playoffs with Matt Patricia as his offensive coordinator. Now, you could argue maybe Belichick's ego is so big, he's trying to prove to everybody... Look how great of a head coach I am. Look how great of a leader I am that I can make the playoffs with Matt Patricia, a lifetime defensive coordinator. Check his defense. It's honestly not that great. One of the worst head coaches we've ever seen. And Joe Judge, a special teams coach who was also one of the worst head coaches we've ever seen, coaching my quarterbacks. Those two guys running my offense, my quarterback, and my offensive line and calling the plays and I'll make the playoffs with them. If he does that, Again, he created this. We'll have to give him, as the kids say, his flowers because tonight, ugly game. I'll be honest, didn't watch one second of the regular broadcast. Not one second. Tonight was all Peyton and Eli. And for the most part this season, I've watched the regular broadcast because bringing Joe and Troy, the game has felt a lot bigger to me. And tonight with these two teams, especially the Cardinals and Max, pretty boring to me, I couldn't take it. So I just from the start of the kickoff to the end of that game, it was Peyton and Eli and whoever they had on from, you know, Key Peel to Bill Simmons. I, they could have had on nobody. They could have had on a dog. And I was watching them tonight the and they entertained me. And the game was not that entertaining cuz the patriots when they win and if they get to 10 wins or if they end up 9 and 8 the only way they win is like tonight. They can't get into a shootout. It's why they have no chance against the bills. The bills have way more firepower than them. It's why when they play teams with offensive weaponry and they can score 24 plus points, they're at a huge disadvantage. That's why when you look at their schedule, the Raiders like them against the Raiders. Don't like Derek Carr matching up against them. The Bengals, that's going to be a tough matchup for them. The only saving grace on the, you know, it's at home. Maybe Belichick can throw some curveballs at Joe Burrow. Gonna like the Bengals there. But I got news for you. When Tua Tonga Bailoa rolls into New England and it's freezing cold and it's it's uh snow's coming down, sleet's coming down, it's wet, you can't grip the ball. I don't like Tua. I'll promise you that. I like Tyreek and Waddle, but I don't think their quarterback can get them the ball. So if they can win the beat the Raiders game, they can beat the Dolphins game, and maybe hope that the Bills don't have anything to play for. I, the Patriots could be in the playoffs. Now they're pretty clearly like last season would be a one and done team, because at the seven seed playing the two seed, which would probably be the Chiefs. Adios, Bill. But I do give you credit if you go ten and seven back to back years and make the playoffs back to back years with Mac Jones. So that game was. Uh, The end of the Cardinals and the Patriots just won't die. And they never will die as long as Bill Belichick is their head coach.
0: Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder.
1: The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates
0: a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills.
1: Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is.
2: That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your live sports experience at AmericanExpress.com slash with Amex. Eligible American Express card required. Benefits vary by card and by venue. Terms apply.
1: Football season is underway. So now is the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Because right now, new customers get a no sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's free bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Just sign up using the promo code COLLIN. FanDuel has all your favorite bets from money line to point spreads to player props. You can combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with a same game parlay. The app is safe, secure, and super easy to use. Get paid your winnings fast. So sign up today with promo code Colin for your no sweat first bet. Make every moment more this season with FanDuel official sportsbook partner of the NFL. 21 and over and present in present Arizona, Colorado, Connecticut, Illinois, Iowa, Indiana, Louisiana, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, or West Virginia. Must wager in designated offer market. Max bet $5. Restrictions apply. See full terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text step to 533-42-ARIZONA, 1-888-789-7777. Or visit ccpg.org chat Connecticut, 1-800-GAMBLER. Or visit fanduel.com RG, Colorado, Iowa, Indiana, Illinois, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Virginia, 1-877-770. Stop, Louisiana. Or 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help, Michigan. one 877 8 Hope NY or text Hope NY 467 369 New York, Tennessee Red Line 1-800-888-9789, Tennessee 1-800-522-4700, Wyoming. Visit www.1800gambler.net, West Virginia. Okay, uh, I wanted to hit on a couple teams that I don't want to say lay duds because I think the games were a lot different, but had disappointing outcomes. The Chiefs we Were a heavy favorite on the road against the Broncos, who were terrible, and the Cowboys. I, I think was like seventeen points. I mean, a massive, massive favorite against the terrible Texans. And I want to start with the Cowboys. In general, when you're a good team, I allow you a somewhat of a dud or a underperformance late in the season against a bad team. Why? We're all humans. And I know, you know, Belichick for years, right, when he had his really good teams, they could be playing the worst team in the league, be a 20-point favorite, and he would talk about the, the opponent on a Wednesday like they were the 85 Bears, <laughs> you know, like they were the 93 Cowboys. You'd be like, Jesus, Bill, this team is 1-13. in 13. You're acting like they got 17 Pro Bowlers and their coach is going to the Hall of Fame, and he was great at it. Now, there's a difference between saying that publicly and getting your players to believe it. Because ultimately, like one, you know, thing that's always said just around the sport of football is the eye in the sky doesn't lie. Mean the tape, right? What you put on tape is your resume in the sport of football as a coach and as a player. And You can't watch the Texans and think they're very good. I mean, there were one ten and one going into that game for a reason. They stink. They don't have many good players. And when you're the Dallas Cowboys. And Mike McCarthy and the coaches, because listen, having been around coaches, the one thing I couldn't relate, I I could never relate to two things. When a player is bad, like trying to figure out how to coach him up and two, taking bad opponents seriously, like keeping the same level of focus uh, when you're playing the Texans as you would when you're playing the Eagles or the Chiefs, right? That's why most coaches are kind of crazy that way. Players are much more like us normal people, right? It's easy to get up for the big games, the divisional opponents. It's another thing, an uncommon opponent who stinks, like, I allow you to not be focused. The only resor- result I care about in terms of judging you is winning the game. Because, I hell, I remember in 2019 when the 49ers made the Super Bowl, they lost to a terrible Falcons team. So these, this, this happens throughout the season. Like, you can go... 12 and five, potentially one of your losses, maybe two of them are going to be when you were the heavy favorite in the game, right? It's not always you're just losing to good teams. You, You get up for big games. So the Cowboys finding a way to win that game. Now they lucked out. Dak Prescott's arms hit. He's lucky that guy didn't have a clear route to the end zone and walk in a pick six. And then they get the ball basically inside the five yard line and they can't get it in. I mean, their play on fourth down was pretty fucking embarrassing. But Dak, who's, let's face it, been a little pedestrian lately, let him down the field. They had a game-winning touchdown. Zeke punched it in, and they won the game. And that's, I, I'm going to judge them how they look against the Eagles at home. And if they can win that game, then I will take them seriously as a playoff opponent. But I, I'm not coming to any judgment against the Houston Texans, because I know if I was in those shoes, if you listening were in those shoes, probably wouldn't get your best effort. Or maybe not that I don't get your best effort on game day. I don't get your best effort during the week. And when part of football, unlike these other sports, you don't get to play every day. So how you approach the week, like one thing that's cliche, but it's very true, is like your focus, your preparation during the week leads to success on game day. Unless you're some genius, I definitely never was. I had to study to have a chance when I took a test. And even then, I probably was going to struggle to get like a B. But I'm not the most intellectually smart guy when it came to the classroom. Right. But if I was going to have success in the classroom, I really had to study. And it was difficult for me. Turns out, you know, I got some learning disabilities. Maybe I can't keep all that. Maybe I just didn't care. Who knows? But part of being a football player is, you know, approaching the week very seriously. And usually when you play shitty teams late in the season, you know, the focus may wane. Uh, and then the Chiefs. A lot different than the Cowboys, despite the game being close they were up 27 to nothing, 27 to nothing. This is not college football, 27 to nothing in the pros in the first half. I mean, that, that that's the equivalent on a Saturday game of like 48 to nothing. That is blowout city. But then somehow before halftime, they're only up 27 to 14. But to me, once you're up 27 to nothing, the team like the Denver Broncos stink. I mean, they are really bad. Now, obviously they made this a game. Mahomes turned the ball over. But like I, I don't have any takeaway from that Chiefs game beside of what I already thought about them is to me them and the Bills and I, I guess you got to throw the Bengals in there too. Uh, like they're really really good. All three of those teams can win the AFC, and I'm going. I, I'm not going to bet against the Chiefs. I don't. I'm not confident they're going to win the AFC, but I'm not going to pick against them in any of the games they play against the Buffalo, against Cincinnati. I will go down. Picking that team, that that is going to be my team. And like I said yesterday, if the Bills do make it to the Super Bowl, whether they play the Eagles, whether they play the 49ers, I don't care, the Cowboys, I don't care who they play. I'm picking them to win it. But when the Chiefs play the Bills in the AFC, I'm going to pick them to win the game. Bills, incredible dome team. The Chiefs, they've been through the ringer. They know how to win in a lot of different places, up 27 to nothing, giving them a little bit of the pass. I was thinking about this because Mike White, who is clearly dramatically better than Zach Wilson. I mean, listen, no one's trying to be mean when we talk about these quarterbacks, like it's all relative. You're being judged by really good players. So when people say two is not that good or two is overrated and Zach Wilson stinks, yeah, relative to top 15 starters, like that's just a fact. And Mike White, you just watch the Jets play. They have a pulse now because of that guy. Now he A little bit, and we'll get into the Niners here in a second, like, they're built with defense. They have really good wide receivers who do a lot of their, you know, I mean, Garrett Wilson, uh, Elijah Moore, those guys can crush in the short and in the intermediate passing game. And obviously, their running game is good. And the 49ers, like, Brock Purdy, in a game and a half, has looked better than Trey Lance ever did. And Trey Lance and Zach Wilson went two and three. But you know the craziest part about that draft? is it was fucking loaded. Do you know the guys that came after those two guys? Kyle Pitts, Jamar Chase, Jalen Waddle, Hane Sewell, J.C. Horn, who had a sweet pick yesterday, Patrick Sertan, who's like a faster Richard Sherman, Devontae Smith, baller, Justin Fields, who is clearly better than those two guys, Micah Parsons, Rashawn Slater, and uh, Vera Tucker who's injured for the Jets, who's also a stud. So this draft was absolutely loaded. And my point of this exercise is the Jets fell in love with this guy who beat absolutely nobody, had one good season, who a lot of people felt like maturity was a question mark. The 49ers fell in love with this guy because maturity was not a question mark, really high-level guy, but his football, based off one season, small level, who knows, who needed a lot of work mechanically. I did the math. The 49ers in two seasons since drafting Trey Lance, remember, they didn't just draft him number three. They traded three first-round picks, the 12th pick that year and two other first-round picks, those that led to Tyree Kill and Bradley Chubb. Some valuable assets. And Trey Lance has started two games, start to finish. He's played in other games. He came in at a half when Jimmy got hurt. And uh, this year, he got hurt early in the Seattle game. But in games that he started and finished, they are one and one. The other uh, 28 games they have played, non-playoffs, these last two years, they are 18 and 10. So they're proving that if they could get a redo on that, just like the Jets, they would do a redo. Now, Zach Wilson and Trey Lance have a lot of years left. These guys are 22, 23-year-old guys. They have a lot of career left. Well, Trey Lance couldn't beat out Jimmy Garoppolo because they, they fixed the job. Like if they would have had an open competition, Trey Lance would not have been the starter this year. They fixed the job for Zach Wilson. And clearly by midseason they realized we can't do this anymore. And I guess ultimately what I was thinking about when I looked at this draft and was thinking about this morning is when you force quarterbacks in spots and the jets are kind of a poor man's version of the Niners, right? And you have a really good team. It really bites you in the ass. Because think of what those teams could have done with that pick. I mean, the Jets could have traded back. They could have taken these guys. The 49ers could have sat at 12 and taken Micah Parsons. Or hell, maybe they could have traded up. Got Jamar Chase. Taken Panay Sewell. I don't know. Drafted one of these offensive linemen. They could have done a lot of different things. And I think it shows you when you, like, Brock Purdy and Mike White came in. And what Brock Purdy did against Tampa was insane. If you have a chance, go to... Uh, Brian Baldinger, Baldy's Twitter account, and just watch his breakdown of what Brock Purdy did. It's two minutes. It's easy to do. Like it, that, that that wasn't fake. What we saw, and there have been a lot a lot of rumblings in San Francisco. Like Kyle was pretty intrigued with Brock Purdy over the summer. Like Brock Purdy pretty easily won the third string job, and if it wasn't for Jimmy coming back, and let's face it, the reason Jimmy came back is because they had some reservations on the quarterback. They could say whatever they want. But Trey Lance was all over the place. And listen, I understand I like betting on big, fast, strong-arm guys, but that doesn't mean he's going to turn into Justin Herbert. And Zach Wilson was like this raw guy who actually had this great film against nobody with this big arm. And both these teams are absolutely loaded, and they've invested all this in a quarterback. And I would argue that both those quarterbacks are probably not the long-term answer. So the the example I'm going to use here is like I talked yesterday about it with the Lions. You don't need to force the quarterback. The Houston Texans, for example, have no choice. They're going to have the number one pick. I would just take Bryce Young. You got to try. But so many teams that have a decent base, like, do you need to do it? Like Seattle, for example. They are going to get the Denver Broncos pick. Just like the LA Rams are going, or excuse me, the the Detroit Lions are going to get the LA Rams pick. Take a sweet player. Like, just let things breathe, unless you believe that guy is going to be, to me, he's got to be, at minimum, he has this ceiling to be a top 12 guy, and you believe it. But if you're wrong, it bites you in the ass, and it bites you in the ass fast, because you can use that on immediate, on an impact player, whether it's a pass rusher, whether an offensive tackle, whether it's a linebacker, whatever, and you can dramatically help your team, and I think we've seen, in the history of the league, so many quarterbacks, like Aaron Rodgers wasn't a top 10 pick. It was a 24th. Brock Purdy was Mr. Irrelevant. Now, I'm not saying Brock Purdy is going to become Aaron Rodgers. Dak Prescott, fourth round. Russell Wilson, third round. Kirk Cousins, fourth round. We think that all these top picks hit at quarterback. I mean, a couple years ago, that draft, greatest quarterback draft ever. No, not really. I'm recording this before the Monday night game, but we already know what Mac Jones is. Very, very average talent. Zach Wilson and Trey Lance are never going to be as good as Justin Fields. He's just dramatically more talented than both the guys. Now, Trevor Lawrence is a good example. To this day, the Jaguars do not regret that pick. They would 100% take him over. And even he has been somewhat of a roller coaster ride. There was that article a couple weeks ago about Andrew Luck and his retirement, how he regretted the way he handled it. But to me as a player, Andrew Luck is such an outlier. He came to a team that had just been the number one pick in the draft, and immediately they went to the playoffs. And let's face it, looking back at that organizational structure, kind of a joke. They did have some good players, but what he did there is not something that's very normal. So I, I think teams have to be very, very careful about the hype machine. And the hype machine on quarterbacks trumps every other position by tenfold. And it's easy to talk yourself into it, but when you miss, you regret it immediately. Sometimes, like, Jalen Hurts, who might win the MVP this year, was a second round pick. I, I, I just think you can find value and you don't have to force the pick super high if your team is already pretty good. Now, I understand the Jets were not good at the time, but God, do they regret that pick a year and a half later. And last but not least, as of recording this right now, uh, I, I'm, you know, I'm not the most religious guy, but I've been thinking a lot about Mike Leach. And obviously, he's what seems like just based on Internet reports fighting for his life in a hospital in the South. And uh, I hope let's pray to God that he can make it through this. But, you know, some of these these reports coming out, I I would say, are a little ominous and not the most positive reports. At any time, you know, you're over 60 years old, you're in a hospital. uh, Hell, I've seen it with, you know, my dad's been sick before he passed away in another situation where it was. It was not good. You know, you just you you never know once you get to a certain age, anytime you go to the hospital, it's 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 scary. But I do want to just talk about it positively. What an absolute legend this guy is. (laughs) I mean, I I think the coolest part about the sport of football and it used to be like this in basketball and baseball. But in, in baseball, now the GMs are the stars. Coaches don't matter. And it, when I was a kid in basketball, I mean, there were some huge personalities from Pat Riley's to Phil Jackson's. E- even that is waning a little bit, right? Because it's a front office led sport. Football is is still a sport that through the history of time, obviously the players and the quarterbacks are big stars, but the coaches are every bit as big. And the the personalities of the coaches in college and pro football really make this thing that we all love so much cool and fun. And and interesting, if we just consider football a big television show, because ultimately that's what it is. Power five college football in the NFL. The coaches are absolute major, major, uh, you know, they play a major role in that television show. And I would say Mike Leach is one of the most unique characters we've ever seen college or pro. One, he did not play college football. He went to BYU and he played rugby. He got his start, which to me, this always hits home at Cal Poly, where I went to to college. And he just kind of worked his way up. But to me, what's so cool, just kind of looking at his records over the years, is he's never got the shot. And who knows, maybe he never wanted it. And he clearly made a lot of people uncomfortable with the big boys. He's never got some premium job. Ohio State, USC, Texas, LSU, right? These Michigan. Hell, Oregon and Washington. These schools were never going to hire him. He went to Texas Tech, Washington State, and now Mississippi State. And you know what he did at all of them? He won. The influence he had on the sport of the spread offense. Historically, I remember being in college and his offenses at Texas Tech were by far the most potent. And everyone said his quarterbacks do not work in the NFL. So it basically, basically was like an indictment of his offense was like rinky-dink. And at the time, it was somewhat true, but it worked because he couldn't just run the same offense that Texas and Oklahoma were running, or he would have got his ass kicked. So he spread that bad boy out from learning from how mummy at Kentucky, and he lit up other teams like a Christmas tree. And under him, he developed guys like Cliff Kingsbury and Lincoln Riley, who played quarterback for him and then became coaches. Hell, Wes Welker, one of his better players, is now a coach, and I would imagine one day might be a head coach in the NFL. So he influenced the coaching profession. But from an offensive profession, think how many people that you hear talk over the last, definitely the last decade, and I would say even more recently, it is such a positive now to say, yeah, I use Mike Leach's air raid concepts in our passing game. It's like a point of pride. I bet if you talk to Nick Saban, if you talk to Urban Meyer, obviously Lincoln Riley uses it. These guys speak about this guy in reverence for his offensive mind. Because when you hear him talk, he doesn't sound, and honestly, he doesn't even look like many other football coaches. But like I said, the thing that was most powerful about Mike Leach is how consistently good his football teams were at non-consistent football programs. At Texas Tech, he never had a losing record. He went 11 and 2 there one time, 11 and 2 at Texas Tech, and had them obviously competing to be the number one team in the country when Crabtree beat the University of Texas in the game. Then he went to Washington State. He inherited a team that was 1 and 11, a complete joke, an awful football program. Within three years, he had a stretch. He went 9 and 4, 8 and 5, 9 and 4, 11 and 2. And he lost to Washington in the Apple Cup, or he would have gone to the Rose Bowl. He had Washington State a game away from the Rose Bowl. And then from there, he goes to Mississippi State, which is clearly probably the worst program in that division. And last year, he went eight and four and he beat Lane Kiffin in the Egg Bowl. Like you hire Mike Leach, you are guaranteed to win. Now, I understand he's a different cat and he he's not. I don't think he's the easiest to deal with. When I, the year I scouted on the road for the West Coast, I, it was his first year at Washington State. And I remember going into the school. Like, you know, as a scout, it's a little different now with technology, but you'd like go in really early in the morning, like seven o'clock. And usually, depending on what the football program's doing, sometimes you watch tape for a couple hours, take some notes, then you meet with the coaches, or maybe you meet with the coaches, then you go to practice and you watch tape. Every school's a little different. But I remember going to the school probably, you know, between seven and eight. And sometimes the first guys you run into are like the GAs. And I remember talking to the GA who was actually the guy who Garrett Blunt hit at Boise State. I forget. I think his last name's Hout. And he was Mike Leach's G- uh, GA. And I remember asking him, like, where's Leach? He's like, yeah, man, Leach doesn't get into the office till noon. I'm like, till noon? What's he doing? Well, he stays. We have like offensive meetings at like 10 o'clock and midnight. He's a night owl. I'm like, that's that's the craziest thing I've ever Most coaches, Sean McDermott, Andy Reid, Belichick, these guys are getting there like 4, Sean McVay. These guys are getting there like 4.35 in the morning. But Leach gets there at noon. It's like, that's the coolest shit I've ever heard. This guy's a different cat. And then within a couple of years, he had them winning eight, nine games and competing with Washington and Oregon and, and USC to be the best team out west. At a, at a program that has no business doing that. And I'll never forget when Washington, hired, or Washington State hired him, they asked their AD. Uh, before they hired him, he had just fired his coach. And they go, well, who are you going... Wh- what search firm are you going to use? And the AD said, "The search. you're looking at him. I'm the search firm. And he knew right away when after Mike Leach, after the Craig James thing happened, he locked him in the, in the shed when the kid had a concussion. Craig James' dad's a complete loser. Uh, but that—that that is just—it it, it, would—it would hurt your heart if you're a football fan if Mike Leach can't make it through. So, prayers up for the big guy, and football cannot afford to lose an absolute gem of a human.
0: Welding instructor Alex DeClair knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go, look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career.
1: The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need.
0: Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com/slash/metaverseimpact.
2: Busy weekends are a breeze with American Express Platinum Card. 8 a.m. Wait to board plane in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> Much better. 2 p.m. Grab seats for the game. Ah! 6 p.m., book an exclusive reservation with Resi Global Dining Access. Right this way. Because the American Express Platinum card offers access to the Centurion Lounge, must-see live events, and exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply.
1: Hey, let's dive into the little middle cough mailbag. Uh, start with Cam. This is an old-school account. At John Middlecoff is the Instagram, fire in the DMs. That's how you get your question answered here on the show. Love the podcast. Isn't Tom Brady to the Jets like the obvious move if he continues his career? Elite offensive weapons, good enough O line, assuming health, studs everywhere that can compete with the top end teams in the NFL Bills, Chiefs, Bengals. Everything has been a home run for two seasons now. Zach Wilson, the exception. I know it's the Jets, and he was a Patriot for however many years, but if he's obsessed with winning and is being an assassin looking for an opportunity, why aren't the Jets' his team Stay close to a kid staying close to his kid out east? You know, this is a good point, which I have not seen raised by anyone else. They do make a lot of sense, right? They are loaded defense, uh, multiple wide receivers, more than Wilson. They're going to get Brees Hall back. They got a couple other running backs. Uh, their O-line's pretty good. They got picks. Only thing I would say is his relationship with the owner, Bob Kraft, is, I mean, it feels like he's a second father. So, now, you could say he sniffed around with the Dolphins, so maybe he's not worried about playing in that division. Uh, that That would be the only hesitation I have for thinking that he won't Go to the Jets. Is he wouldn't want to have to play against Bob Kraft? Not Belichick, not the Patriots, but Kraft. Now the the Patriots story, or excuse me, the Dolphin story that they got fined might throw that theory out the window. The other thing is the Shanahan offense, which this team runs, does or is predicated on your quarterback moving around. Not like Lamar Jackson, but you got to be able to boots and waggles. And just scramble to the left and scramble to the right after the play fake. That is not... Tom doesn't move. Now, you could argue, who are the Jets? Change your offense around him. Yeah, I, I would say the more and more I think about it, it does make some sense. So maybe you're on something. Have you noticed that there is a large amount of bad coaches in the league this year? I think there is objectively 10 coaches that are bad. Staley, Josh McDaniels, Dennis Allen, Hackett. McCarthy, you know McCarthy's ten and three. And he went twelve and five last year, so I'm going to take him off. Lovey Smith, Kingsbury, Rule now Wilkes, Reich now Saturday. That's not even including coaches like Arthur Smith, Eberflus, and even someone like Stefanski, whose time may be running out. What do you think? Oh, and Todd Bowles. I think it's football. Most coaches are not good, or excuse me, most coaches are you are looking to replace, kind of like a offensive guard or a corner. If you're the owner, like when I was in the league, you're constantly thinking like, how do we upgrade our right guard, our right tackle, our left corner, our starting safety, and our second wide receiver? Just that's the way teams operate. You know, if your team's just solid, if your team's good, you're still thinking about you know replacing a couple guys. If your team sucks, your GM and your coach are thinking about replacing all the players. Well, your owner's thinking about replacing your coach. So it, I would imagine if if I'm Dean Spanos, if I'm Mark Davis. If I'm the Bensons, if I'm the Walmart people, if I'm the Texans, if I'm... Yeah, all these people. I mean, the Panthers are already interviewing people, I would imagine. Ursay's already sniffing around. Arthur Smith, to me, there are positives there, but how's he going to find a quarterback? Now, he is starting Ritter. We'll see how good he is. Not the biggest fan. I mean, Todd Bowles is going to be one and done. If Brady leaves the Bucs, which he's going to do, whether he retires or goes to another team... How are they not going to fire Todd Bowles? feels like a lock. But I also think this represents, if you went to like 07 or 2002 or 1996, and you just looked at all the head coaches, you'll see good ones, right? Parcells, Mike Holmgren, Bill Cowher, you know, Tony Dungy, whoever, John Gruden, uh, back then, not now. And then you'll probably find a ton of coaches. You're like, that guy, that guy, who's that? That's just, that's the way the sport is. You know, for every Lincoln Riley and Nick Saban, a lot of crappy coaches. You know, it's way this. It's very, very difficult. For every Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen, there are average to below average quarterbacks starting. It's no different with coaches. It's very, very difficult to find good ones. So I, I don't think this year is any different than a couple years ago. Freddie Kitchens, Pat Shermer, Joe Judge. You know, you go through the names, you're like, God, these guys stink too. Question that must be discussed on the podcast. How much credit does Dan Campbell deserve for the success of the Lions? Offense. Do you think he is play he is calling any of the plays? He did take over play calling last year and is a former tight end. All the credit seems to be going toward Ben Johnson. I'm a longtime Lions fan, and I'm worried that once good old Ben Johnson leaves in the next year or two, the Lions are doomed. Uh, honestly, I don't know the inner workings of the Lions. I, I don't think... Dan Campbell's calling the plays. Watching that game last night, they zoomed in on the play caller. I do think he plays a role in the identity of the offense. The physicality, the toughness of their offensive line. Uh, They've been one of the better running teams, it feels like. I don't know if statistics match up, but they feel like they can run the ball on anyone. Their defense has gotten a lot tougher. So to me, he is in the mold of like John Harbaugh, Mike Tomlin. Like that's kind of going to be his deal. Little rah-rah-y, tough guy leading the troops in the battle. He's never going to be viewed as like Kyle Shanahan or Sean Payton. It's just not his deal. So, yeah, he is going to be dependent on coordinators. But I don't know if the Lions' offensive coordinator is getting a head coaching job this year. Could be wrong. We've seen crazier. But I I would just take a deep breath and enjoy the positivity that is coming your way. And if the Lions start losing assistant coaches to head coaching – you're in very, very good shape. but I think we're at minimum still a year away from that. I, I would be very, very proud of the squad this year, coaches and players. Longtime listener, longtime listener, big fan. But gotta say, I get consistently irritated by the nauseating references to TB's age, but more specifically the avocado ice cream praising. Anyone with the pulse knows TB is 45 years old, and while I understand he is an outlier and a freak in how he facilitates his diet and physical and mental preparation, it is ridiculous to continually applaud him for eating avocado ice cream. I mean, it's 2022, and every single player in the league, especially the vets, are more or less making the decisions like Tom Brady is in regards to their fitness, nutritional intake, ETC. Tom Brady is not the only guy with admirable diet restrictions. I mean, who are we kidding by implying this? We need to stop this cliche. We blow the guy enough already without making him seem like a hero for choosing to eat ice cream made from avocados. We'll keep listening and recommending your podcast. And yes, I'm a Salty Jets fan. When I bring up the avocado ice cream, I hope you know, it's like, ironically, it's in It's like, I'm joking. I'm fucking with Tom Brady. Like, it's a joke. Who doesn't like normal ice cream? I I do think, yes. A lot of pro athletes, especially as they get into their 30s, make changes to the diet. Just like most of us normal humans, any human that doesn't want to be a fat slob, like we got to eat different foods. You know, I would say the last week and a half, I've had a terrible diet. When I gain a little weight, like it's from my eating. When I'm disciplined with my diet, like discipline with your diet is, I would say the number one hardest thing, whether you're a pro athlete or whether you're a normal human being, something we all battle. And I think it's fair to say... Non-joking, the avocado ice cream's a joke. Like, Tom, just, you don't need to eat avocado ice cream. Uh, but, like, his discipline for working out and food is, I, I, I mean, up there is unprecedented. It, it just is, you know? Uh, that being said, like, yeah, he, he's not alone. But he's also 45 years old. Now, he's playing shitty now. But what he did is, I don't know if ever going to be... I mean, he's having an outlier career and I I do think you got to give the guy some credit. I mean, he dedicated his entire life, gave up his family, man, (laughs) gave up his family. Uh, but if you're eating avocado ice cream, I would say like most normal people, I think you're kind of a weirdo. I, I, so listen, I have a lot of reverence for Tom, the player, uh, as he's like football, Jesus. I don't know if you saw the clip going viral. The 49ers lined up from guard to, to wide receivers, Drake Greenlaw took the ball that he intercepted Tom Brady and he's like man I don't want to do this but I, can you sign my ball Aaron Banks went to Notre Dame stood there and asked him to sign his jersey and take a picture I mean these guys the reverence the other players in the league these guys that are 21 22 23 years old they have for Tom Brady think about a lot if you're 23 years old when Tom was becoming a megastar, you were 8, 9 years old in like 07 on an undefeated team. And then you get to play against him. So, like, when I bring up the avocado ice cream or anyone does that talks about it, it's because we've never seen anything quite like this. The players have not You and I have it. Nobody has. Now, he sucks right now. He's terrible. It's hard to watch him. I'd never watch Willie Mays for the Mets, but I would imagine that's kind of what it looks like. It, it's honestly kind of sad. Now, is he going to retire? Who knows? But... We can't be hating on Tom. Tom, and I know personally, like Tom's been a huge reason that the NFL has been more popular. Like he's their biggest star for basically the last two decades. Definitely the last decade. And uh, a big reason people just, there's not a woman that doesn't know who Tom Brady is. There there are a lot of women that don't know who Lamar Jackson and Josh Allen are. I mean, Tom is the most transcendent star football has. And more than likely, this could be his last couple games. Uh, Tom Brady to the Niners makes too much sense. Who on earth would you trust more to manage a game uh, on a team that is defensively driven? He's done it before with the Patriots early in his career, and he's a million times better now. Also, who would you want to mentor Trey Lance other than the best quarterback ever? It's a no-brainer. Purdy, bro. I want Purdy mentoring Trey Lance. Uh, I would say Trey Lance's career is, like, in major flux right now. Not that the Niners are going to get rid of him or anything, but, like, there is absolutely zero chance Tom Brady or not Tom Brady, Trey Lance is going to be the starting quarterback going into the offseason. That's what happened last year. Same thing with Zach Wilson. Those days are over. Like, it's just not going to happen for either guy. And clear, it's different. Like I said, the players don't like Zach Wilson. Players like Trey. But he's not going to just be handed the job anymore. Because that doesn't happen in other positions. And it happened at quarterback, and it kind of backfired. Now, I, I think the 49ers are not going to sign Tom Brady. I also don't think Tom Brady is going to want to go to the Bay Area. Like I said, I think Tom Brady is headed to the Vegas Raiders with his avocado ice cream. As somebody with a degree in finance and mid-level experience in different financial sectors, what's the best way, in your opinion, to track a career within sports, NFL, NBA teams? With hundreds of millions of dollars circulating through these leagues, there has to be some entry for career. Like, even a relatively small market team like the Houston Rockets and the NBA. Any advice? Well, I think the easiest way to get involved in careers that are difficult, because ultimately a lot of these teams, the Houston Rockets, the Houston Texans, the doubt, whoever, they're not enormous operations, right? So if you're a finance guy, Wells Fargo or Bank of America are massive companies. They have branches in every city, everywhere you go, right? So you can get a job and kind of get your foot in. That's not the case with pro sports. Every, you know, certain cities have pro sports teams and then their operation is not nearly as big as you think. I think the easiest way is just get your foot in the door is in sales. You're a business guy, get in sales if you have like some extroverted tendencies or you think you can close. And if you ticket sales, sweet sales, and then kind of get your in that way. Now, if you have a law degree, maybe try the contractual stuff, but you have to realize like, these people, obviously, they're enormous businesses. They're all managed by business people. You know, all these teams have a president of business operations. They have law firms. You know, they have the big accounting firms. It's not like they just have football coaches or basketball coaches managing their money. So, what I always recommend is, and I did not have this, use LinkedIn to your benefit. Use LinkedIn or Instagram or even Twitter and find people that have roles that like this guy manages the salary cap or this guy is the president of the team and shoot him an email. You know, think about this. Like if you're a coach, like Nick Saban, Kyle Shanahan, Andy Reid, whatever, you get a million coaches or a general manager, right? Like Howie Roseman, John Schneider, you name it. A million young scouts and young coaches try to contact these guys. How many young workers contact the team president probably not as many as you think relative to the coaches so i actually think it's an easier entry point is the business side but use technology to your advantage there are a lot of those avenues when i in college like in 06 07 when i was 22 23 24 they didn't even exist we well, had to go old school way send a letter they got immediately probably thrown in the trash technology baby it's got its downfalls but it also has its benefits you have a great pod, but for fuck's sakes, can you go one show without mentioning Staley or small-armed quarterbacks? You're turning into Skip. Well, I mean, I think Brandon Staley stinks, and I don't like small-armed quarterbacks. Beside Purdy, who's kind of growing on me. Uh, so no, I don't think I can skip a show with doing that. First time in your DMs. From Nova Scotia. You are my go-to podcast. Can't deal with other podcasts. Like that. Two questions for you. In the past, you have talked about how who the top coaches are and how even they needed the right people around them. Bill with Brady, Reed with Mahomes, Walsh in Montana. Have you ever seen a really good coach that could have been an all-timer, but because of ownership and general manager decisions, didn't succeed and was considered a mid-of-the-road or bad coach? Maybe never got another chance. Secondly, I'm not a Raider fan, actually a Vikings guy, but I've always found their franchise to be interesting. I know they are not one of the wealthier teams and they are paying Josh McDaniels big bucks, but they have to fire him, right? Josh McDaniels is one of the most overrated head coaches ever. He has got to go. Uh, on the coaches, you know, Freddie Kitchens, Jim Tom Sula, you, you give them Mahomes, you give them Josh Allen, who knows? <clears throat> I mean, I'm sure it's happened. You know, I, I'm a big believer that cream eventually rises to the top. I, I I think most coaches figure it out. And the ones that don't, we're never going to figure it out. Same thing with players. And, and there are probably individual examples of a player that got screwed, of a coach that got screwed. But I think for the most part, the good coaches are the ones that you know of in the main sports, and the bad coaches are the ones that you don't. Now, there are probably some mid-level guys that could have been a little bit better if they had the right quarterback, But then there are also quarter, you know, this guy doesn't want me to talk about Brandon Staley, but what if Brandon Staley had Baker Mayfield? What if Brandon Staley had Geno Smith? I mean, would he have lasted two seasons? You know, I I think that happens more often where an average coach, an average to below coach, gets a decent talent, and that guy's able to just have a longer career than he probably should have. The Raiders are a fascinating franchise. You know, I used to spend a lot of time around them when I was in the radio business. And uh, they have a collegiate feel to them. Uh, a lot of their former players take a lot of pride. I mean, their owner Mark, obviously his dad's Al Davis. I mean, they they just love the Raiders. But it's a pretty dysfunctional place. Uh, it's a lot of lifetime employees. You know, most good businesses, you know, hire from outside, especially as you get bigger and bigger and money quadruples, and you know. 10x 20x 50x because you need different voices you need different thoughts it's not really the way the raiders have ever operated and um yeah i mean even when they try to do something like hire josh mcdaniels it fails now i've had a lot of people dm me that go josh mcdaniels he's the most overrated coach of all time and you watch his team like that was one of the most embarrassing sequences we've ever seen I mean, that was as someone that's hard on some of these other coaches, that's that's inexcusable. Like, that's just one of those things where you get over the headset as the head coach and you have to have some understanding of what's getting this defense that under no circumstances, they get in one on one man coverage on the outside against Baker Mayfield. So, yeah, I mean, I I don't know if he's going to be one and done, but I think the Raiders are in major shambles. And like I said, I believe Tom Brady, I, I think the owner will basically mandate to Josh. Uh, And I don't think Tom Brady's going to have as many options as people think, just like last time. He did not have that many options. But I think the Raiders are going to be an option, and I think they'll trade Derek Carr. Can you explain how everyone jumps on the Eagles saying, oh, they found a way to beat the Colts, but then the Cowboys roll them and they become a bad team? I'm not even sure what this question is asking. I think we spend too much time... Like worrying what a couple people say talking heads say you know like the the buzz on a team good or bad like ultimately if you're a cowboy fan and you're ten and three or you're an eagle fan and you're twelve and one right like it's pretty clear your team's pretty good like you're going to the playoffs all you want when the season starts is to be in the dance and have a shot and unlike the other sports like if you get into the basketball playoffs if your team's not that good you can easily get swept in the first round if you get to the NFL playoffs it's fucking one game. I mean, the 49ers were underdogs both times last year. And whoop that you-know-what. The Rams went on the road. Like, the Bucks were much better last season. And before the game got weird in the second half, kicked the crap out of the Bucks. The Bengals went on the road to Kansas City. Their fourth straight AFC Championship game. Every single human alive, including Bengals fans, Chiefs are going to win this game. And what happened? You guys went to the Super Bowl. So I'm not quite sure what your question's asking, but I wouldn't worry about that crap. Like, even if you're a Vikings fan, everyone's kind of shitting on you, calling you frauds. Well, just find a way to get the two seed. Because you know what happens if you get the two seed? You're guaranteed two home games. Guaranteed two home games. Assuming you win the first. But like, that's a pretty big deal. Get the two seed? You can call me a fraud all you want if the team I'm on, if the team I'm coaching, the team I'm a fan of, Gets the two seat, so I I think we worry about too much about the outside crap. Love the show, bro. Refreshing to have a personality with good takes. I agree. Question with Lincoln Chip Rule and Big Dick Fick <laughs> joining the Big Ten, rank the top three coaches in the Big Ten. Uh, I would go Harbaugh one. I would reluctantly say Ryan Day, but I, I I'm not. You know, he's forty-five and five, but I, I just do not trust him in a big game. He could shut me up. He beats Georgia. Who knows? He could win the national championship. I don't think he will. Uh, I think Georgia's gonna shove them around. But you can't ever dispute that Ohio State has talent. Who else would be there? Uh Rule uh no. Lincoln. Lincoln would be right. Lincoln and Luke Fickle. I, I would have really, really high. I mean, Luke Fickle took Cincinnati to the playoffs. That, that's pretty impressive. I, I'd probably go Lincoln than Luke Fickle. I think P.J. Flex pretty good. You know, say what you want about James Franklin, not a great in-game guy. It's college football. Just recruit your ass off. You're in games like, yeah, they're, they're never going to win the national championship, but Penn State's going to win 10, 11 games every year. Like Penn State's pretty good. Between 9 and 11 games. Yeah, they're not Michigan or Ohio State. And he's not Mr. Dynamic Coach, but he can recruit. And their team always is super loaded. And if they ever just hit on the right quarterback, who knows? Maybe they could win the Big Ten. I, I think the Big Ten coaching is is really really good. Obviously, adding Matt Rule, we'll see. I, I think it's not that I'm not bullish on him because clearly he's pretty into it. But you know, you watch him talk; it's a it's a little political. You know, in terms of he's just kind of a politician, which James Franklin is too. That's he's he's going to be a recruiter. What's his scheme? Tough guy? Can he recruit to Nebraska? I don't know. Uh, we'll see. I, I guess I'm not as I'm not not bullish because you got to be excited for the hire. He's he's won, but it's going to be tough. Like I, I know you can win at Penn State. I know you can win at Wisconsin. Obviously, Michigan, Ohio State, USC. To me, Chip isn't. I I don't think Chip even makes the Big Ten. What would be one take I have? I, I do not think Chip Kelly makes the Big Ten. If I was UCLA after next year, I would fire Chip Kelly and I'd hire Jonathan Smith at Oregon State. LA guy winning at Oregon State. You know, loves defense, can really coach the run game, just needs some players. He'll be able to recruit at UCLA. That's what I'd do. So the Big Ten, you could argue coach for coach. Now, it's hard when you got Saban and Kirby in your conference, but the Big Ten might be deeper with coaches. Okay, appreciate everyone listening. Share it with your friends. Check out the Volumes YouTube page. Um, and yeah, I will talk to everyone later in the week. Peace. volume.